understanding that with the help of our higher power, we can actually start, you know, learning how to fit in and, and how to be of usefulness to other people. I mean, I think the people that mentored us, people that have walked us through this process, they've all committed themselves to be of usefulness to others. And you know what it says in the big book, right? Is that our job now is to be of maximum usefulness to God and our fellows. I don't think that means an hour a week in a meeting. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast with your hosts, Michael L. and Lee M. This is a show where we strive to provide inspiration through interviews with members of the recovery community. We are not aligned with any 12-step program, but you may hear them mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Today on the show, Kevin P. from Jacksonville Beach, Florida. Once again, he returns to the show. He's sharing on the concept of the root of our troubles, selfishness, self-centeredness. It's great to have Kevin back. I hope you enjoy this episode. Good morning, Lee. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. It is uh, February 12th. How are you doing? Uh, Never better. February 12th. That means that none other than Kevin P. is back. Kevin, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to have you back on the show. Today, you're going to cover the daily reflection for February 12th, which is the root of our troubles. Would you get us started by reading the Daily Reflection? Oh, I'd absolutely be honored to. You bet. The root of our troubles. Selfishness, self-centeredness. That, we think, is the root of our troubles. Alcoholics Anonymous, page 62. How amazing the revelation that the world and everyone in it can get along just fine with or without me. What a relief to know that people, places, and things will be perfectly okay without my control and direction. And how wordlessly wonderful to come to believe that a power greater than me exists separate and apart from myself. I believe that the feeling of separation I experience between me and God will one day vanish. In the meantime, faith must serve as the pathway to the center of my life. Wow. Sounds like a tall order. Yeah. (laughs) It was like the, the part, the first part I was like, uh, how amazing the revelation that the world and everyone in it can get along just fine with or without me. I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> it's a shock. Yeah. Yeah. So what but, do you think about that now? Well, you know, uh, I think that, um, I think that the, the, just the whole title, the selfishness and self-centeredness is the, we think is the root of our troubles. You know, my, my, uh, one of my firm beliefs in, in my recovery and my sobriety um, has always been that uh, quitting drinking and quitting using drugs is about, you know, I have my fingers like a, an inch apart right now. You know, that's how, how it's big a deal that is. And then I put my hands about a yard or six feet apart. And that's how big a deal me learning how to act differently, treat people differently and behave differently. That's the critical piece. And that's what I think they're talking about is the selfishness and self-centeredness is that, you know, congratulations, Kevin, you quit drinking on May 5th, 1991. Hallelujah. Thank God. And now the real work starts. You know, now we're really going to get into it and we're going to teach you how to behave like a grown up. And we're going to also show you a path of actually being able to coexist with other people so that they'll actually like you and want you around. 
Yeah. It's almost like like the reflection is referring to to right sizing ourselves. Yeah. It, well, it is. I mean, it really is, right? Is the the concept here is, you know, understanding that with the help of our higher power, we can actually start, you know, learning how to fit in and, and how to be of usefulness to other people. I mean, I think, you know, when I look at the bedevilments, right, on page 52, and, you know, that we, we talk about all the, with that checklist of unmanageability, right? And the one that always really stuck out with me is that, am I being of real use to other people? You know, or is this just all about what Kevin can get his hands on and what Kevin can get his, you know, his needs fulfilled at whatever level that he, I want that to happen. And, and I think, you know, what happened for me, one of the big moments that happened for me in 2007, when I was, I was 16 years sober and I was 43 years old and I had a, I had a great job. I was making a ton of money and everything was wonderful on the outside, but on the inside, I was just empty and a shell. I just was so unhappy and miserable. And I sat and talked to my buddy, Brad, Brad's been sober about the same amount of time and he had gone back to nursing school and he just, I could see it. You know what, you know, when someone's on fire, right? I could see it in his soul that he was just, I have found it, you know? And so I sat and talked to him. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm, I don't want, I'm just, I'm not happy. You know, I got divorced two years ago. And I'm miserable and, and I don't know what to do here. And he's like, you know, Kevin, the people that mentored us, because we were mentored by the same people in AA and the people that have walked us through this process, they've all committed themselves to be of usefulness to others. And you know what it says in the big book, right? Is that our job now is to be of maximum usefulness to God and our fellows. He goes, I don't think that means an hour a week in a meeting, you know, or the occasional phone call. I think that means 24 seven across the board. It means you got to get into a profession where you're engaged in the active charity of helping others. And, and, and we talked about that. And I was like, is that how you became a nurse? And he's like, yeah, that's what really turned me on. He's like, what about you? What do you really like? And I'm like, you know, I just love people. And he's like, I think you should be a therapist. And, and, I, and I agreed. And, and so I started walking down that path. I'll tell you something. One of the things, one of my, one of my heroes in our program uh, is a guy named Tom I in Southern Pines, uh, North Carolina. And, um, He's uh, he's in his 80s right now, and he's suffering from uh, Alzheimer's. But his story starts with waking up in jail again, having except this time he killed two people in a blackout driving on the sidewalk. And the story goes to him becoming a warden of a prison in North Carolina. And his position was, that only happens in Alcoholics Anonymous. He was like, God had work for me to do. And all I had to do was show up. And he opened the doors and made it all happen. And, and, and I, you know what my experience was? Is that when I made up my mind that that's what I was going to do and that's where I was going to go, God literally kicked doors open for me that never should have been opened for me. And I went to school. Got a great job right off the bat. Opened up private practice, and you know now I have a great, great, great practice, and I'm helping people. I'm writing books, and but I'm doing stuff, and it's all based on the simple concept of being of maximum service to God and my fellows. Such a cool uh, 
message that you're, you're talking about right now. And, um, I've, I kind of have had this sense for quite a while now that, you know, that the universe is this place that wants growth and forward movement and rebirth and new chances, you know, and that if we commit ourselves to that, that all the doors open, Mm -hmm. that everything falls into place. That if, Mm -hmm. if we are actually walking around trying to be of service to others, then all of that falls into place. That's so cool. The universe conspires to get us to where we need to be. If, if the purpose is to help others and that's what you're saying. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's, I think, you know, one of the things that I think is, you know, that's why, I mean, right. That's why the 12th step is, you know, having had a spiritual awakening, you know, so that had to happen. Right. I had to sort of, wake up and be like, oh, oh, okay, you know, um, we, tr- you know, tried to practice these principles and all of us and carry the message. We had to carry the message. To me, that means helping others and practice these principles in all our affairs. That means it's not good enough to just not drink. It's, I have to take it to that next step and I have to start carrying this through my entire life of being, you know, a good person and decent and kind and helping others and and don't get me wrong, I'm not Mother Teresa, you know, I mean, let's be clear, you know, but I, but I think at the end of the day, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an opportunity. Every day is an opportunity to show up for others and be there for others. And, and, you know, and I don't know, I just don't, it's the only way I feel fulfilled in life is what it comes down to. Mm. And is that the judge? I mean, how do you, how do you determine if you're being of maximum service in the right areas i think for me just for me you know what i get is this sense of i get i I get it so i get a sense of i'm ill at ease or i'm uncomfortable you know we start right so one of the best some of the best advice i got from a sponsor about the 10th step was is he's like look you know it's obvious when you you know you cheated someone or you lied to someone or you did something behind somebody's back or something along those lines He's like, that big stuff, you're going to catch right off the bat. Because, but what I want you to take a look at on a daily basis is when you start to get that feeling, that, that inside your gut feeling that this is wrong. I've done, this is not right. This is, and he goes, and I don't even mean, you know, after the fact. He goes, I mean, when you're in the situation and you're like, oh, no, this isn't, this isn't, this is not where I'm supposed to be. And, I believe that that is a God consciousness and that is an intuition that as we continue to use prayer and meditation, continue to use the 10th step, continue to use helping others, that we get into this space where we start to develop that sense of knowing intuitively what's right and what's wrong and and knowing what we should and shouldn't be doing. And, And so the idea is ultimately not to have to wait till afterwards to be like, oh crap, I screwed up. It's to be in the moment and be yeah, you know what? This is not the right thing for me. Thanks anyway. I'm just going to take a step back, you know? Yeah. So it's the second month and I'm trying to be conscious of what the second step is all about. Yeah. And I'm thinking about the, the possibility that there might be someone listening that is struggling, maybe hasn't been through the steps yet. Can you help can you help the newcomer understand what step two is about? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Um, so the second step came to believe in a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. You know, the way it was outlined to me, and, and I still do this with the guys that I work with, and I still believe in this, is that when I look at the first step, you know, am I powerless over alcohol, you know, or drugs? Uh, what it means is that, you know, I have to look at the, you know, the physical allergy, the mental obsession, and the spiritual malady. You know, all the pieces of, you know, once I start, can I stop or control it? No, I don't, I don't have that capacity. Um, can I keep myself from the first drink? No, that's, I have this thing where I'm just constantly talking myself back into it. Do I have a connection with a spirit that's going to help me through this process? No, I don't. So that's the first step. That launches me beautifully into the second step, to answer your question, um, is that I need help. The second step to me is I need help. And, and, and that, that help needs to come in the form of some sort of connection with a spirit or something that's going to keep me out of that crazy thinking, because that crazy thinking is what gets me to the drink. And when I drink, that's when the party's on. You know, it's funny. Sorry. This is one of my favorite ones, man. Um, I have a friend uh, in L.A., Bill, and he always says, you know, everybody talks about the third step. Ooh, the third step, third step, the third step. He's like, you know, the third step's a formality. The real work is the second step. He's like, in the second step, we have to choose. Is God everything or is God nothing? That's it. It's one or the other. There's no in-betweens. There's no, you know, does God need my help here? Nope, he doesn't need your help at all, you know. And, and so we, you know, you got to love addicts and alcoholics. We have to have a special step that now that we've decided God is everything, then now I'm going to decide to give my life over to the care of God. You know, don't you kind of feel like God's standing there like, oh, goody. You know, oh, thank goodness Kevin came to his senses and is allowing me to be in charge, you know. Well, as though they're separate things, you know, God is everything, but I might not actually decide to turn my will my life over to him. <laughs> Yeah. So for the new guy who's, I mean, look, I didn't walk in with a religious background. I grew up with an anti-religious background. So walking in and thinking, what the hell is this God stuff? It's like, look, let me make it clear. Can you stop drinking on your own or stop using drugs on your own? No. Okay, cool. Hang out with us. We're going to show you how we did it. And the way we did it is we access this process we call the 12 steps. And in the 12 steps, you're going to develop a relationship with a spirit. And that spirit, or whatever you want to call it, is going to keep you, keep you from that first drink. And that's that, and you know, that's I try to break it down as easily as that, as straightforward as that. Love it. Yeah, I like how it's. I like how it is simple. It it can be simple when you break it down. It's um, we complicate things though for sure as as addicts <laughs> and alcoholics. Kevin is. Are the 12 steps and, and the program of recovery that, that we all found in, in Alcoholics Anonymous, do you think that's the only way that works? You know, that's a great question. And I get that all the time, especially in my, my you know, my professional life as, as being a marriage and family therapist, because um, I, you know, I primarily work with families that are struggling with addiction and codependency. And a lot of people come in with a huge bias against the 12-step world. And I tell them, here's the deal. On, on both sides of the coin, by the way, the, the, the addict alcoholic and then the codependent and the family members. And I tell them, I said, here's the thing. My position is two things have to happen. You have to get abstinent. 
from whatever it is, whether it's the drinking, the drugs, the eating, the gaming, the gambling, the porn, I don't, whatever, or the controlling, manipulative, passive aggressive behavior patterns as well that the codependents have, you know, and, and not just the behavior patterns for the codependents, it's the, it's the nonstop worrying and anxiety. We have to get abstinent, abstinent from that. And you have to change the way you live. So however you do that, I'm on board, you know, and, and I don't mean that from a sarcasm's perspective or anything along those lines. I've seen people do it through church, do it through therapy, do it through their own personal journey, yoga, working out, eating better. The overwhelming majority of people that I've seen have success have done it through a 12-step program. But that doesn't mean we're the only way. You know, I, I, it's the way that worked for me, but I'm, I support anyone on their journey and whatever works for them, as long as those two conditions are met, abstinence and a total change of behavior. They say, you know, you only have to change one thing, everything. <laughs> well, and, you know, we say that the, that al- the alcohol, the, the, the addiction, whatever the focus is, is only a symptom of the disease. So we're talking about eliminating the thing that's blocking us from any recovery and then, and then, and then solving the original issue. So, you know, Lee, it's really interesting is that the people, so I founded an Institute this last year called the chronic hope Institute. And the mission of the Institute is to help the public understand addiction and recovery and codependency and to help clinicians understand addiction, codependency and recovery. And a lot of the, the dilemma that I get is that people don't quite grasp and understand what it's all about and what we're doing and why. And, and they, 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 they believe a lot of the clinicians that I know and engage with, they'll call me and they say, I've been working with this guy. And, and, you know, I know he's got terrible trauma or anxiety or depression, and we're really trying to get his using in order. But we, you know, but for some reason, we just can't get the drinking and the drugs in order. And, and, and I'm like, well, yeah, because you, you're not going to be able to get to that stuff until the drugs and the alcohol are eliminated. I said, you need to understand the perspective here is that if someone's using a mind altering substance, you can't address their secondary issues. And it's the same thing in the recovery world, right? I can't get to the good stuff if I'm still using. And here's something fun. I can be in sobriety. I can be in my meetings 10, 20, 30 years sober and still using people, food, smoking, whatever, and avoiding my issues. And I think that when we get sober and stay sober and continue to dig down deep into the stuff, that's where we really need God. Because God's going to help us get into that really, 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 really heavy-duty stuff from our childhood and our family and the stuff that's happened to us. And, and, and that's how we're going to get better. And the beauty, watch how I wrap this all up. <laughs> the beauty is when we do that, we can be of service to other people. Because we're not the only one in the meeting sitting there thinking, I'm 15 years sober and I'm miserable. And I hate my life. And I can't stand what's going on here. This sucks. So when I raise my hand and say, you know, hey, I'm 28, 29, 30 years sober, and I struggle. I am struggling. I'm struggling with staying on focus. I struggle with work. I struggle with my marriage. 
And it doesn't mean I'm failing. It just means that's my reality. And, and, and I need God today at 29 and a half years sober more than I've ever needed God, you know, to be there for me, to carry me, to get me to where I need to go and, and to be part of the gig. And so look at that. <laughs> and I mean, I guess if we're, if we're focused on a constant effort of working the 12 steps, Mm-hmm. Then as soon as we come aware of that pain, whatever's happening, stress at work, stress in the family, relationship, stress, whatever, then we can always go back to the second step and say, wait a minute, I'm powerless right now over this, but God will restore me to sanity if I, if I let him. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, I think that the majority of our pain comes from resistance you know, internal pain, you know, uh, external pain definitely can be a different situation. But internally, the more I fight and the more I want to try to control and manipulate, um, the more pain I put myself into. The more attached to outcomes we become. Absolutely. You know, and that's the, that's the dangerous part. You know, I think, I mean, I think that's the thing, right? Is that, you know, this journey is just about continuing to dig deeper and get get farther into it and see what's going on. And, and it's going to be scary and it's going to be uncomfortable. I, I, about three and a half years ago, I started doing adult children of alcoholics and my mom was a prescription drug addict and my family system is rife with drugs and alcohol and all sorts of crazy behavior. And, you know, I got to tell you, man, I mean, working those steps and, and digging into that stuff. Oh, ouch. You know, I mean, we're getting into the core issues. I mean, AA is great. AA got me sober and it made me behave like an adult. But when I started looking at how come I have these behavior patterns that never go away and I started doing the ACA stuff, it's like, ooh, oh, ouch. Oh, okay. So that, and and my only hope is God, you know, and, and the 12 steps. So it's interesting because um, my sponsor says, if if six and seven doesn't remove the issues, you might need another program. And you just gave me an example of that. <laughs> Sorry. <Pretty cool. laughs> you know, if, if you're still engaged in behavior patterns that are destructive, yeah. maybe it's an ACA issue or maybe it's a food addicts issue or maybe it's a gambler's anonymous issue. Right. Yeah. I mean, who knows what my, uh, my wife says that she's going to make up T-shirts for me, for my practice, and it's going to say on the front, of course, we're going to talk about your childhood, you know, because, <laughs> you know, what else is there, <laughs> you know? And then on the back, it's going to say, you know, healthy families come from healthy individuals. Healthy individuals work on their stuff. Everybody has stuff, you know? And, and when we can get to an environment where we get to a place where we can actually all start talking about that, you know? And, and putting the cards on the table in a meeting and saying, oh, oh my God, I'm, I'm finding out that I'm really attached to material wealth or physical wealth or spirit. You know, I'm really struggling. And I think that's the best way to attract newer people into this program because, you know, we all get sober, but then all of a sudden we're like, oh man, there's a lot of stuff I got to clean up and a lot of messes I've created. You know, how do I, how do I get through that? And like you said, six and seven, right, is, is huge. I mean, the funny thing for me, right, is that I did my first big fifth step back in Los Angeles and 
it was an eight hour adventure with my sponsor. And, you know, I called him did five and then we did six and, you know, six and seven. I mean, within an hour, I'm on the phone with my girlfriend yelling at her, you know, I mean, whew, got that stuff down. You know? <laughs> so it doesn't go away. You know, progress, right not that. perfection. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, this has been a great uh, dissection of the daily reflection <laughs> around uh, the root of our troubles. And you've kind of brought us back to, to the beginning around step two. Anything else to add uh, or, or anything else you want to tell the, the audience before we wrap up, Kevin? Well, the reason why I picked today is it's actually my 57th birthday. What? And, uh, Happy birthday. <laughs> Outstanding. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. yeah. And as Lee and I were talking about, turns out we were both born in the same hospital. Yeah. Oh, That's crazy. Yeah, I have a, but yeah, yeah. It's uh, when we air this, will be my 57th birthday. And, and you know, I got to be honest with you. I never thought I'd get here. You know, I, uh, about a year before I got sober, I cut my finger open bartending and went to the Stanford ER and, uh, the uh, incredibly hot ER nurse looked at me and said, you know, you're, how old are you? And I was like, I'm 25, 25 or 26. And she said, um, your blood pressure is off the charts. And she's like, do you smoke? And I'm like, cigarettes? I mean, yeah, and some other stuff too. And she's like, let me, let me explain something to you. And she said, I'm 40. And your blood pressure, your low number is my high number. You're not going to see 30 if you keep this up. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, no big deal. And uh, so to get to the point where I'm, you know, going to be 30 years sober and 57 years old and, you know, leading a blessed life, helping people, it's like, okay, this is crazy. This is awesome. Mm. So, anyway. It is awesome. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Really enjoyed the, the message, and uh, it was great to see you again. Yeah, thanks for having me back, and I appreciate your guys' patience with me. Thanks, <laughs> Kevin. <all> good. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to you for listening and for your support. If you want to join in the conversation online, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash daily reflection podcast. We're on Twitter at Daily Reflector. And if you want to read about recovery, we've got a blog. It's at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Always appreciate your comments, your ratings, your reviews. Subscribe. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.